0: About, trying to figure out what it's all about Excellent Celeste. Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't
1: know That was great sounds oh, of Watts with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself Prestige With my partner in crime, Long Island Raised Elm City Made EZ Blues is in the building Easy Blues, you are better with introductions more than me Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand?
0: Many people will tell you that breakfast is by far the most important meal of the day. And the reason why is, is because it is the foundation the building block of a good life, of starting off correctly. So when you can have breakfast in Vegas, a town that does not sleep, a town that pumps oxygen so you don't get up from the table, you know no, you have to take those steps to fully nourish your soul. And that is what the music around words can truly be the nourishment of the soul, the palette in which you can build upon. Digital music has evolved from the likes of Craftwork to our next guest from Breakfast in Vegas. I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving. If you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and two. We do not want any accidents mentally. Put your hands together for the amazing Curtis Austin from Breakfast in Vegas all the way from Colombia to join us. Thank you so
2: much for being here. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. It's been a long time, it's been a long time. <laughs> how you been, man? I've been good, I've been good. I've been traveling, um, been exploring the world. Just everything's been a big uh, whirlwind right now, but it's good, it's good. Let's go back in time. What made you want to start music? Um, when I was younger, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, my mother had a friend that was like into music and I like went to a studio and, uh, right in on Dixwell Avenue across the street from Three Brothers Cafe. Right. And, uh, it was like a studio at one point and like, um, and essentially it, I went in the studio and I, I just always had a, a fixture for what I wanted it to, to be, or I wanted to understand music. So that's where it started from. And then from time and time went on, I just got more interested into it, fell in love with Neptunes, Timberland, all the greats, and it started from there.
1: Now, from the studio, did you start off with just, like, handwritten music, or you just write to the computer programs, just knowing different technology no, the, when it comes from that? No,
2: the, the first the first moment... um. That, uh, that I actually really got into anything with business. It was really a drum machine. Uh, my grandmother went out and bought me a drum machine from Guitar Center. It was cool, but I couldn't track music out. It was just live, right. live music. And then um, essentially what ended up happening is um, I went to Guitar Center again, then bought a, a computer program and then from buying the computer program, I I upgraded to Reason, and then it just it just started from there. Um, that's a pr- computer program, and I used to work at Sam Ash, by the way. Wow, nice! So I was fifteen or fourteen years old working at yeah, I was fifteen at working at Sam Ash over there on. Um, I can't think the area, it but it's near
1: Woodbridge, near Woodbridge.
2: On Am- yeah, it's, it's
0: actually on Amity.
2: Amity, yeah, yeah. I used to work there. there too, and um, and that was my first job. <laughs> like that was my first <laughs> job. Like so, I used to work there by equipment. You know how it goes. I saved my money by equipment. I just built the studio from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up breaking my um. I ended up breaking my bed on purpose so I could move a couch in there, uh, so I, so I could move a big, big computer desk from Guitar Center into the into my bedroom. So it's like it's, it's a it's a lot of a lot of crazy stuff I did when I first started getting into the music. That's awesome, man.
1: Um, any discounts at Sam Eh, yeah, it
2: was it, it wasn't that good. <laughs> it wasn't that good. Most of the it was like if there was something being sold and it was cheap, you just you just buy it. But like mm-hmm. um there was no real discounts. If yeah. if that was the case, I would've had a huge studio. But oh, I did Yeah. Well go ahead, easy. Well if, no, you could
0: definitely tell there's there's not huge discounts when, you know, the, the two pieces of, of equipment that, that he mentioned were purchased were from Guitar Center. You yeah. know? you worked working in a match, but you still bought that computer desk at the Guitar Center. I, you know what I mean? So it, it shows you where the discounts are. But what I really love about your story, and I really want the listeners here to, to really understand, I wasn't kidding in the intro when I say you're currently in Colombia right now. And I'm not talking about the district of or the college. You're in, you know, the country of Columbia. But you just mentioned, you know, two roads that are very you know, New Haven, Hamden and, and Woodbridge based to so get yes. started out here, you know, so for every one of those kids that are skipping school right now when they should be, you know, actually doing what they need to do and they're listening to the show or they're watching us later, um, you know, it's possible. But how did you get there? Cause everybody wants to know the how.
2: I mean, I would say that on um, the road has been, it's been hard. You know what I mean? But it's once you kind of get established, it starts to move on its own. Um, mm-hmm. But like the start came from just doing everything in my power to just want to get in the music industry, want to get better, um, try to learn. I mean, when everybody was playing basketball or, you know, I went on dates with girls, I was in the studio. <laughs> I mm-hmm. I worked at Samash. um, and my business partner, who's still one of my best friends to this day, uh, Broadway. He's the uh, that's what I started with. Um, he was making a lot of money in landscaping. He was he was 16 years old, making a thousand dollars a week. I was like, hey, let's build a studio, and mm-hmm. like, and that's kind of how it all started. And it's like we built the studio in my uh, my basement. Uh, in Hamden, and um, we didn't really know what we were doing. It was just one of those moments where we are just like, we need a, we need somewhere to make music. Um, and we had some somebody that we knew around the area. Uh, I think it was one of my father's friends helped build it for us. And um, I remember it cost us about $1,700. And that's all we had to our name. We put it all into there. And then um, it was just a room with a rug. Mm-hmm. In my mother's basement, and it slowly started becoming a real studio. So by 16, 17 years old, I'm charging people um maybe $15 an hour, $10 an hour, they get a business out of it. It was like that was the first time where I was like, all right, I can make 400 dollars in a day. Uh And at working at Sam Mash, I'm only making that all week. So it's like that was Mm -hmm. the one where I was just like, okay, I see the. I see the um I see I see where you can make money in this business. And at that time it was on the recording side because mm-hmm. I still wasn't that great of a producer. Mm-hmm. So I still wasn't that great of a producer at that time. And it was a lot of people before me. Like it was a guy named Brandon. There's a couple older kids that was a little older than us that was like having really good opportunities. And um, you know, we 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 were we were cool with everybody, but we just stayed working, doing our own thing. And then one day, um, it was a uh, it was a guy from actually North Haven. Uh, he lives in New York. He worked for he worked for Virgin Records. So this is years after we've been working, busting mm-hmm. our mind. And he came to the studio one day, and he was one, he was friends with one of our friends. Uh, his name is Ellis Stanley. And he was like, hey, I want to bring somebody to you. He's an A&R in New York City. Um, he really wasn't an AR. He was a like uh mm. he was like a he was like one of the like the guys in the mailroom type of AR. But still we didn't yeah. know, you know. I mean? And we he we played him the music, he was like, yo, I really think you guys got something. And then we started going back and forth to New York. Back mm. and forth to New York, back and forth to New York. And at that time now I was working at um a, a group home. So mm. I'm working at a group home. And so I have more flexible time because I'm only working on the weekend. I'm only working part time, so I'm back and forth to New York, staying at his house. And obviously, that we we became friends and family. Um, so we, we at that time in New York, excuse me, there was a lot of um industry parties. So studios just have Red Bull or liquor company sponsor the event. And they'll just have musicians, singers, writers from all over the Tri-State area just come. And it was just Mm -hmm. a thing at that moment. I don't they don't really do that as much now, um, even before COVID, but that was a thing in New York City. So one day there was a Naughty by Nature, a Naughty by Nature studio. Like it was it was a big studio because in New York they have everybody has their own room. Mm -hmm. So it could be Naughty by Nature here, Epic Records here. Everybody has their room, but the the hallway and the group. Um, uh, and the group is the, the, the hallway is pretty much where all the groups meet. So right. they usually would sponsor an event in the hallway, move the couches to the side in the living room, I guess you would say not the hallway. Um, and at this particular day we were there, um, and it was one of the nicest studio. I forgot the name. Uh, uh, it was one of the nicest studios. So we got invited there and then, uh, somebody said, Oh, go play your beats. Cause that's what it was. It was a beat off. Mm-hmm. You just play your music. The next person comes in, play their music, yeah. and everybody just shows love. Oh, that's dope! Give me your number, connect. And a lot of times, nothing really came out of it. Um, and you meet artists that that were coming up, but they really didn't. They didn't have potential to blow up, but they were just cool to work with. Um, mm-hmm. And this particular day, we were in the studio with um, uh, with our manager because he became our manager at the time. His name was Ian um, Pollard, and uh, he was like, "Yo, play the beats." So we're like, "All right." And it's Naughty by Nature, the main producer, and I think, and it was Tre. Is it Trench's His name? I can't. Remember. Yeah. And um, we played a beat. We played a beat, and then he just went quiet. He was like, "And I'm like, all right, maybe they don't like it." So we leave after everything, and it was it was a whole bunch of people after us. Maybe I would say 15, 20 people, artists, producers, writers. And then they they were like, so everybody had left. Um and they were like, hey, don't leave yet. We want to talk to you guys. And that's when they started. They were like, hey, I wanna, I don't know how we could work together, but I wanna bring you guys under my wing, boom, boom, boom. So mm-hmm. they they helped us out in that moment. But there was another gentleman that they were working with at the time, uh, and they were starting up a publishing company and and mm-hmm. and introduced us to them and we ended up getting signed to them. And Basically, I would say maybe a month later, um, we were just talking, and the guy was like, hey, I, want, I really want to work with you guys. I think you got something. Can y'all move to New York next week? And we are like, like, like Monday? He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, then that's how it started. <laughs> and mind you, we've already lived in New York because we had an opportunity. Right. Um, uh, it was like a group called Nico and um, uh, I forgot what it was called, mm-hmm. Test Drive. and we got opportunity paid us ten thousand dollars that was like our first big opportunity before getting signed Mm -hmm. um uh we we got we got paid ten thousand dollars to work for a month exclusively with a specific type of artist and that's when i knew Mm -hmm. like this might be something i want to do um right and that was the start of it when people start paying you to be in new york it's like we might as well be out here there's no reason to be in in connecticut because it's hard to get back and forth and then people are so quick with it, you can't be in Connecticut because it's it's a little bit too long to from the train to your car to back to their train. Mm-hmm. So it has to be, you have to live in the city. Um so I'll say about about twenty three or twenty-four years old, I just quit my job. I forgot I was working for coles and I just mm-hmm. didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't show up for work. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean and that's that was like the start of it I said I'm never going I'm never gonna I'm not gonna work anymore I'm gonna try to do music full-time and since that day um that's what I've been doing music but it was it's been difficult obviously mm-hmm. but right it's 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 definitely paid off all the struggle
1: right and I imagine Back and forth from CT to NYC just to get just Mm -hmm. get that one gig or two, three gigs and go back home to Coles and then come right back. It had to be a hassle just mentally. I can't even imagine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um and at that time it was like everything I did at Coles was a problem. Like they just hated me. (laughs) So I was so ready to (laughs) go. Like. I was working as a cashier. They think you know, like, we got to talk to you in the office. I said, oh, what I do? Oh, we seen you listening to music while you were at the cash register. I said, oh, okay. Then they put me on the floor. And then my feet hurt. I'm like, hey, y'all got me up all day. I can't, <laughs> I can't be standing folded clothes all day. So then they're like, all right, let me move you to the back. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what stock was. If I knew better, I would have never, I would have stayed right on that floor. Because stock is no joke.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Like stock is no joke, but I learned a lot you know what I mean but and those mo- all those all those moments and all those jobs I feel like it makes you appreciate things that you have later on I feel like if I didn't go through that I wouldn't have been able to be appreciative of the blessings and things that came after that so it's all that's all a part of the journey I guess you would say yeah it's just God giving you signals of where you
1: don't need to be in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks. Easy booze to see your finger up. Go right ahead. I already know the singles.
0: Well, no, I I I love I love that you mentioned a publishing deal because a lot of the the people at home that are trying to get into music and different things like that don't understand there are different types of deals you can have and different types of actual creative jobs you can have in the music industry. We're all still kind of programmed, you get signed. You know, you 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 play the show and everyone has the vision of Madison Square Garden or, you know, the Los Angeles Hollywood Bowl, you know, and that's what happens, you know. So it's we really try to explain the other aspects of what there is for music, whether it be sync licensing or a publishing deal. Is there any way you can kind of break down what a
2: publishing deal is for uh, our listening audience at home? A publishing deal is very, very simple. It doesn't matter it's not about music. Anything could be published. Books, exercise routines, video, whatever it may and when you sign with a publishing company, what essentially what they do is they estimate how much money they think you're going to make and they pay you that up front. And and then on the back end they take 25% of your 100% of your money. So you only see 75 or 80%, but they already gave you a ton of money up front so you mm-hmm. can live. And you can create the book or the recipe whatever you like to do the um they'll give you money so you could live that's how you when you see writers and they write books and they still are able to pay rent it's because they they took money from a publishing deal which essentially is it's like a loan that's pretty much what it is right. but instead of it from a bank it's from an actual company that's mm-hmm. it Um. No, 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 no! You already explained it. I thought
1: someone else was about to go about the back of the ball, but now nah, you, you got around the back.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, tell me um, just with your whole journey and everything, cause just uh, tell me um, how did it uh, eventually lead up to just working with some of the artists that we know today, like chain Chainsmokers and Tory Lanes and Liana Lewis and different other people.
2: Honestly, that was it had a lot to do with um, at that at that moment. It, we were we were working with a management company, and they and they were a big management company, so they helped mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so um, the the management company called the Tim and Danny. So they have with uh, Khalifa, Rihanna, all those albums. They they were a part of it, or are actually, and their producers produced the records. So mm-hmm. um, they were able to help us a lot and get these. These records, they would just tell us like, "Hey." Um, eventually, they started managing us, and they were like, "Hey, we have a Louis Lewis record. Take a shot at it. It's a million people taking a shot at it. But if you do it, if you, if you, um, if you kill it, it's, it's yours." And that's how it happened. We would just get things. Obviously, we have many things, and those are the little, uh, bunch that we got. Um, but like as far as the like Tory Lanes that came later on, um, Bad Bunny. That came later on working with Fuego that came later on all the Latin artists um that came later on so like um the process of that is just building connections it, it's so weird it's just you'll be surprised what you're it's hard to explain but like just say you go out to the club tonight and you meet somebody and they're cool they're like hey nice meeting you add them on Facebook or Instagram you don't really um know them but they, they seem like good people You'll be surprised how people like that just come back and they have a relationship. Oh, I see you do music. I know this person. Um, It's kind of like what we do on this
1: show on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. We got Curtis Austin of Breakfast in Vegas with us. Go ahead, man. Continue.
2: Yes, sir. And so essentially when you meet these people, you show good face they have no problem introducing you to somebody else because you're trusted and then they trust you mm-hmm. and then you you build these type of relationships and these type of bonds with people and it comes in play and i tell people all the time sometimes it's just best to just do the right thing and just um and you know and, and really look out for people because i see it all the time in the music industry someone they've known since they were like 25 when they first got in the business and they used to be interns together. Now that person is a, a CEO of the, of the company and they—they, they, it's easier for them to work than some person that they never met. And so mm-hmm. building relationships are key. Every single thing came from a relationship that was built 15 or 10 years prior to that moment. All those things happened because you have to understand in the music industry now, there's dynamics. So you have the artist, the artist relationship, um and then once you get to the artist then you have the artist their label you have to have a relationship there and then after the artist puts out a song you have to have a relationship with Spotify Apple Music Amazon so it's it's a, it's a lot of dynamics that go into it and um my current manager now his name is Lulu Torres he mm-hmm. actually represents um he manages Tank uh and his whole entire oh, R&B money wow. yeah yeah That's, so it's yeah. like he like he I I've, I've never met somebody that can go for every meeting every place. Hey, what's up, Lulu? Hey, what's up? And I'm like, when do you know them? Oh, I met them uh, about fifteen years ago at at our we were doing this for our event. And I'm like, you'll be you'll just be surprised how those relationships come back years later. So imagine if that first impression was awful, then they they'll be nice to you, but in the back of their head they're like, eh, I'm not dealing. No matter how long ago it was, when you leave a bad impression with people. So I say the music industry, it's just a lot of it came from relationships and and, and good people. You know, I mean, the people that you surround yourself with, whether no matter how you are, you're always going to, they're always going to look at you. If that person's good and they keep their word, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to treat you the same way because you hang around them. You know what I mean? So be careful you hang around and um, who you associate yourself with. Because it all comes back at the end of the day, as far as to help you in your career. Always spread the good karma. Yeah.
1: Treat people how you want to be
2: treated. Pretty much the stuff
1: that our parents Mm -hmm. told us from when we were very young (laughs) will definitely stick, (laughs) (laughs) especially when it comes to that industry. Um, How competitive is it? Um, just from where you started to where you are now, when it just comes to giving beats to people and just working with others, because like when you started, it was like, you're working on hip hop beats. Now it's just, you've got a little spread of everything you're doing pop, you're doing reggaeton, you're doing a whole bunch of Afro beats. Like you're really expanding your whole brand. Like how competitive is it for you?
2: To me, I don't think it's very competitive Mm. because where I'm at, but. I think coming in at different stages is very competitive. Right. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, when you really work on good music, your competition slowly decreases. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's a combination of output, really good content, um, and then actually exposing yourself and branding yourself. If you can Mm -hmm. do those two things, I I feel like you don't really have competition because um, so many people are looking to put out music, um if anything, I say, work with your competition, collaborate okay. with the competition mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, um you know there's a hundred percent of every record, you know what I mean, there's enough mm-hmm. to go around um one percent of a of, of a hit record is millions, you know what I mean, so it's just like that's how I like to think about things uh, I used when I was younger, I thought about more competition now I think about how can we all work, how can we make this. How can we make it happen, you know what I mean, as a team? Um, And obviously, you're still in competition. But, like, you're more in competition with yourself. That's what it comes down to. Like, everything is about um, what you're willing to do to win. Um, As far as the music, I say you have to really work on your – you have to just work on music that you just know that someone's going to, like, love it. You know, not just Mm -hmm. you love it. And put some really good quality into it, put some really good thought into it. Cause when somebody hears music, like you were saying earlier, easy, like you, um, it's just a feeling, you know, when it's, it don't matter if the feelings from a big producer or a small producer, if you can create that feeling for people, believe me, other people will talk about it. They'll, they'll play your music. Um, they'll bring you involved on in things. Just, if you can just have that, if you can create that feeling for people. And that's really, that's pretty much it. I want to piggyback
1: off of creating a feeling for people. I was at a music conference about uh, four or five years ago. And I was actually with Easy Blues at that conference. who was in, I think, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I forgot where it was. Um, but it was Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Millennium Music yeah. Conference. And they had this hall of producers. It was, it was crazy. Like when you walked in, it was a whole panel. And there's just from the 70s, Uh, people worked with the Beatles, Aretha Franklin, uh, the Bee Gees. And they talked Mm -hmm. about having that great relationship with the artists. Like you have to have Mm at least a strong bond with that artist and connect with them. So you get to know them, know a little bit about themselves, know a little about a story. And they say the studio is like a cave. You're in there with them until you get that song right to a T. Is that true
2: today? Yeah, it, it's different. Everybody works differently. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find is there's still a lot of artists that like to be in the studio and get the and get the song right. Right. Um. Obviously, there's a lot of artists now that can record on their own, so you just send the beat and then you get it back done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But like, I, I felt like most of the really, really great music is created face to face from a guitar, mm-hmm. from an idea. I think that's how still the best music is still created personally, but yeah, you have to be locked in with the artist. You have to, as a producer, you're, you're responsible for the music, uh, for the arrangement, for the mood, uh, for the key. Um, you're responsible for, to make sure the song goes right. Even if you're not singing on the record, you have to still correct the singer or the writer, because sometimes there's a writer and a singer. They're not mm-hmm. people. You have to make sure every line is done because one thing done wrong, it literally can ruin the entire song. So as a producer, you're responsible for everything. Um, it's like writers are different. Writers just write the song and they pretty much go home. Mm-hmm. And then after the song's done, you still have to mix it and make it sound good so people mm-hmm. can hear it. So you have to kind of have your hands in every aspect and. Um, people tend to forget that. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Has there always been
1: a little bit of conflict or you tend to avoid it when it comes to creating? Um,
2: sometimes it's conflict, but I think it's, if, if a person knows you're trying to get the best um out of them, they might huff and puff, but they're like, all right. And then after, they're like, oh, I love you for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, It's rare you ever really meet somebody and they're like, you just objectively have different type of ideas. It's only happened a couple of times in my mm. whole entire life. Like maybe twice. And um, but like for the most part, it's just it's just trying to get better. Everybody's mm. trying to make the best song. So they kind of understand, especially if they respect your opinion. Um, so that's where it kind of comes from. So it's not so much of a conflict. Where did Breakfast in Vegas come from? Um, why the
1: name? Did you went to Vegas one day? Did you
2: live? No, so I never even been to Vegas when I came with that name. Never really. Yeah, I just (laughs) I probably went to Vegas maybe three years after making the name Breakfast in Vegas. I never. I was living in Jersey at that time. Um, It was just it. It was just a weird time of music, especially for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like. We were working with a lot of artists, we we're getting paid, but none of the music came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do I want to, like, imagine doing a song, you love it. Yeah. And then managers get involved, labels get involved, and then the artist gets involved. And then the thing that it doesn't work out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's just like, so you wait six months, you get paid, and then you want to tell people oh, this songs coming out. And it doesn't hit, it doesn't mm-hmm. come out all they drop the artist. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Mm-hmm. So they' say go the whole process, release one video, and then the artist might say something, you know, artists are to get upset and then they drop them, boom. And it's like they never even matter. So it's like yep. once that happens a couple of times, you're like, okay, how can I control music? The mm-hmm. DJs control music. So let's 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 step into the DJ world. And mind you, I I DJed all through high school. Like, if you see, everybody that really know me, I was the quiet kid that just passed out flyers. I've been always, I was passing out flyers. I would make them at Staples, and I was working with an older DJ. um, His name was DJ KP. And he used to do all these little uh, events, and I would DJ the events with him. Obviously, I'm the opener DJ. um, uh, And and that's kind of how I got my background in DJ. So I was like, hey, let me go back to that because I can control what I play and at that time djs were getting big and coming out with their own music so i was like oh let's do that um and i just i tried to come up with a name at first it was breakfast in um it was in breakfast in paris and i was like no nah, i don't like that and then and then breakfast in vegas stuck and i was like looking at photos and videos in vegas i was like oh this this makes sense <laughs> you know what I mean? and that's kind of how it happened um and i just sat on the name I didn't do nothing with it for maybe two years. And then I moved to a new, my new apartment in Jersey. I was living in Jersey at that time. And um, my manager was like, you gotta meet this guy. You gotta meet him. He's a big DJ, he's killing it. Latin DJ in New York. I'm like, I don't really wanna meet him. I was like, I was really wasn't in that moment. Like, I really didn't wanna be around people. Um, I was kind of just focused on my own thing. right? And I, I met him and then he was like, yo, I love your sound. I think we could work together. The only thing is, I'm moving to LA tomorrow. And I was like, Wow. Oh. And I was like, okay, so we're we gonna like work again. He was like, yeah, just come to LA. Like it was nothing. And I'd never been to LA before. So I was like, okay, I'll come. Like in my head, I was like, I'm probably not coming. <laughs> like, uh, so we started working, sending music, and we were, I think we released one song and it went crazy on apple music to the point apple music um they called us mm-hmm. um before, before even all that happened we were just working on music working on music doing pop stuff all over the place and then one day i was like hey i'm living in a dominican neighborhood like it's dominican colombian a lot of caribbean uh latinos i'm like so i hear kids listening to music i'm like I'm like, who, it's like, mind you at that time, Future was out mm. uh, and it, oh, it was Tony Montana, but it was Tony Montana beat, but it was a Spanish person rapping on it in Spanish. Mm. And I was like, so I asked one of the kids, cause he's, he's a little, like, Dominican kid playing basketball with me. I'm like, who is that? He was like, oh, that's Messiah. He's the truth. And I was like, who? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anything about the Latin world, that's years ago. And then, um, so I asked my partner cause he's Colombian. I was like, do you know this Kat Masia? He was like, yeah, my boy who's DJ at the radio station with me, he's his manager. And I was Ooh. like, oh. "I was like, let's get in the studio a week later. He's in the studio with us. Um, and it's like, it, it don't, before I go back to saying like, it's all about relationships, like it's most of the time when you hear a new artist in the radio, you, you're not in the you're not in the studio with them the following week because they have so many people bothering them. But like when you know the manager, it's easy. So it's just like those dynamics are so important later on in your career when you're really trying to establish certain things. Knowing the team of somebody, the artists rarely ever make decisions. It's the it's their team that makes the decision. So if you're friends with the team, then you're you're always able to get to the artist because the artist is just following them because that's what they paid them for to to give them the best uh you know uh career advice like oh you should work with these guys or whatever um and that's kind of that's kind of how it happened uh getting into the latin sound and really trying to figure out just our sound is breakfast in vegas and that's kind of where it came from um wow
1: <laughs> now the LA scene how is that different from New York
2: uh new york clubs like the club scene is different because um they're a little bit more strict like you can't smoke in the clubs in new york and la you can't smoke in the clubs um uh, in new york they're very strict on your dress code especially for women Mm -hmm. (laughs) in la is not the same because the weather's different so you could come dressed in a dress as a woman, or you can come with sneakers and look fly. They really don't bother you. And guys, as long as you look regular, you're cool. But in New York, it's more so like the guys kind of have to be dressed up decent. And the music is completely different as well. New York is super um, you know, it's Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh most is all Mexican. There's no Caribbean people out there. So they listen to so you go from listening to, uh, from um, bachata, merengue, dembo, reggaeton, to listening to reggaeton on the West Coast, but um, it's banda, it's corridos, it's all these different type of more guitar string type of music. Um, so it's like, it's, it's just different as far as like, like, like that's concerned. But as far as the music industry, everybody's out in, in L.A., there's really no work that I've seen ha- really happening in, in New York. All the business happens in New York, but, like, the music is happening in L.A. Like, um, I, I still, I love Columbia, but I still know L.A. is the place to really make things happen. It's like one of those places when you're doing what, what I'm doing or Miami. It's like mm. Miami or LA, it's like you have to be one of those two places.
1: Oh, for someone who's been with the industry for so long, uh what's your take on
2: independent music labels? Um, I think independent music labels are cool. I just feel like at some point, you kind of have to collaborate with someone mm-hmm. that, or a company that has some funds mm-hmm. or has just because God forbid you get a you, you get a hit and you're not able to fund it. Is, is is you're doing the song and the artist no justice. Mm. You know what I mean. Mm. So it's like sometimes it's good to give up some things to get help. You know what I mean. Obviously, the groundwork allows you to have more money and involvement, but at some point, you need cash to fund these records. You need cash to to do these things and do social media and marketing. So you don't want to have a hit record on your hands because a hit record only has a has a start date and has an end date um and you have to take advantage of it in between that time if you mm-hmm. don't it, it it people always like the song but it won't get its recognition like it, it could have gotten so i i think yeah. that our independent labels are good is for finding a new talent excuse me and um also taking chances on people that normally are maybe a label a big label wouldn't mm-hmm. so i think everybody everyone has their uh is their place in the music industry
1: they do, and I do agree. And, and there's the reason I asked that question because you know we have a lot of success stories coming from independent musicians. Um, for example, Chance the Rapper, he started off independent, and he has grown phenomenal when it comes to his product and his brand. Um, even I gotta say, Little Nas X, he started off, you know, without a record deal and just blew off, you know, with SoundCloud and, and and different artists like that. But Easy, I see your finger up. Go right ahead, brother.
0: Actually, I just wanted to actually uh, to kind of add on to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Chance the Rapper and and Lil Nas X, they s- re- hold on to that part of the sentence. though. They started out independently. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, um, like Curtis was saying, someone bought in, um, and that's what got them the extra eyes on them. And, and you know, we, we've had the conversation, you know, we've had the conversation with our local mayor's office, you know, when th- they're trying to push a certain artist to, to play that had a hit in 2006 and they were releasing another song. But you look at the team around them and say, okay, but there's no way the song is going to hit. It's only going to go so far. I mean, we've got amazing lo- local musicians out here, you know, Fat Astronaut just opened up for the roots. Um, and they are some of the best songwriters I've ever heard in my entire life. And some of the best humans I've ever seen. But, you know, I also know that past Vermont, not a lot of people know who Fat Astronaut is. Mm. And that's because they don't have the financial capital to get the marketing out correctly. We talk about it a lot on this show with artists and we really try to drive that point home. Just writing a good song is great. you know. And I don't particularly like Kid Rock as a human being, but he had this one saying that I hold true to. If it's good, they'll hear it. If it's marketed right, you'll buy it. But if it's real, they'll feel it. Um, and that's what it comes down to. Now you can write some incredibly great music that is real and people can feel to it, but it's only going to go so far, you know, and, and we, we did it with, with, uh, with, shame penguin. We released the, you know, the four singles, but we also put marketing uh, packages behind each one of those singles to make sure they were shopped to the right amount of playlists. And we've got the streams that we've got. You still need that good content, but you need the good marketing behind it as well. So I really hope the younger artists are paying attention to what's going on right now, because this is kind of like a master class. Um, and thank sure. you so much for being upfront about it. You know, and I'm, I'm someone who I will try to stay away from the majors as, as much as humanly possible, um, just because coming through it in, from a different angle. But you've changed my opinion just a little bit. So I wanted to thank you for that.
1: On WNHHLP103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City, made EZ Blues in the building. Curtis, I didn't mean to stop you, but go ahead if you still have that train of thought in mind. Go ahead, man. No,
2: no, no. I, I agree I agree with what you're saying, Easy. The only thing I feel like is a misconception that people tell, like, you have Russ and you have... Mm-hmm uh i forgot his name you just said it um chance the rapper mm-hmm. I, I, I i you have to understand a lot of these people they they have money behind them you know mm-hmm. they have situations mm-hmm. behind them. it's just and they don't tell you you know what mm-hmm. i mean they make it seem like it's independent but a lot of these situations aren't yeah, yeah like and that's just me being completely honest mm-hmm. like they have machines behind them it's just not the yeah. Artists can do deals with labels that mm-hmm. are so mm-hmm. they can get a little bit of exposure and get their resources for a moment. So yeah. technically they're not signed, but technically they're still using right. the system. You know what I mean? And a lot of the, a lot of artists, they do that or have done that um, because the, they want the long term money or they want the big deals. So it's just like, but they've been doing these little deals in and out. Um, because you can do a year deal, you can do an album mm-hmm. deal, and you can get a little check and you can move on. Well, I mean what I found out is this, and this is coming from a manager that he's just he loves having these conversations. Um so I listen. <laughs> and they when they hear people talking about not having a label or, or forgetting about a label or for radio, um, they always get into heated comments, either on mm-hmm. um Clubhouse or uh, on Instagram wherever it might be, they was getting a heated argument, and um the one thing that he always says is, name me a superstar that never came off on radio mm-hmm. and, he, and basically his point is like there's no superstars that ever not hit the radio right just because that's how it's been created so at some point um you need a you need you need major push behind you I think that's changing now um there but there is a but it is really good working with companies that already have um these these bridges already uh, already laid Mm -hmm. so you can walk you can walk across them smoothly when you do have a record um but i'm a strong believer obviously in in the release music independent but even myself i do little deals with labels Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie to you i I still love doing independent music personally Mm -hmm. um and be, and then working with really good artists and not so much worrying about the song blowing up today um right. the reason why I say that is because there's going to be a lot of music within the next 20 years that people are going to go back and listen to and love mm-hmm. when that person was maybe 16 doing the music now they now people are loving it when they're when they're almost 30 years old 30 something years old and it's just like I I think that um, or even artists that have been working for a long time, and um, and then they finally get a little bit of buzz, even if it's not the biggest buzz in the world, people are still gonna go back and listen to their music, and you're gonna gain real fans. Mm-hmm. I think right. a hard thing was back in the day that we that we still don't understand yet. It's like if there's an artist that you love, you can just go on your phone. You don't have to buy a CD a record. Right. So there's a so. Imagine if, like Elvis Presley or uh, if Stevie Wonder had Spotify back then,
1: mm-hmm. it would be the it'd be, crazy. it'd be crazy. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So,
2: so, but there was never really a way of to keep going back to records because records break or get scratched or warped. Tapes mm-hmm. pop or get warped. So music has music before now had a, a time period of when either the music the way it was played was outdated. So mm-hmm. if it was a record, you can't use that no more. You got, yeah, gotta hook it up with your Bluetooth speakers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. ADAT, whatever it might be. So this is the first time in history, like even MP3s, that still wasn't. You can't count an MP3 play. You see, right. so it still wasn't. It still wasn't worth as much as what a play on on Spotify or Apple Music is today. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a new found moment. So, like, and I always mm-hmm. tell people, like, you can't, you have to think as if you don't know anything. If you if you talk as if you know everything, you don't know nothing because no one has experienced what what we're experiencing right now. Like, you have to understand, in 100 years, somebody's going to go back and listen to your song. Mm-hmm. In 100 years, and they're just going to type it in, maybe on their glasses mm-hmm. or whatever, however it's going to be then, and, then, right. and they're going to bump it. You know what I mean? So you have to be conscious, like, um, people are going to go back and love your music even if it didn't do well today or mm-hmm. um, tomorrow and um to, to cut that short it's just there was an artist that he, i think is a native american artist i can't remember mm-hmm. but i remember forget i was in new york in a hotel right. and they they have pbc on or uh or uh P- pbs i can't remember the name mm-hmm. and it was like this old um guitarist he was mm-hmm. like and um he just put out a whole bunch of music and never did nothing. Wow! Yep. And like I think it was like sixty years, fifty years later, they're yep. having big concerts. Mm-hmm. It's like and they and he was homeless. He didn't even Sugar know. Sugarman. Sugarman. Um,
0: Sugarman. Yeah, so you man? know what I'm talking
2: about. And it yep. just showed me. It's wow. just like think about if the music industry was how it is now, that would never happen. Mm-hmm. He would go viral. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the difference. We're in a time where now where um people can still go back and enjoy your music whether mm-hmm. however they find you in your video content so even for me i've been old school in my way of thinking and i've i've been in this this journey of learning myself so that's why i'm i always yeah. tell people like hey you can't just get stuck in the studio or stuck writing songs some people can because they already have a bridge land bridge to so their artists so they don't have to worry about posting on instagram or whatever But for Mm -hmm. people that don't have that land bridge already, you have to do everything in your power, um, everything. It doesn't matter how small something is and how big it is. If one person seen it, that's one person that didn't see it yesterday. Didn't know who you were. So it's like Mm -hmm. you have to do everything like that. And if you, if you, if you think oh certain things are too small, essentially what happens is you you start losing out on opportunity because everything like me I search for for talented artists on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. and I, I don't I'm not looking for views or likes or anything on their Instagram I just want to know how it sounds because in my head I'm like I know enough people that if it's good it'll get in the right person's hands right mm-hmm. I don't need most of the time most of the artists that are that are really popular are the worst artists mm-hmm. it's just my they're I always agree. the too much hype it's too much they're not talented enough mm-hmm. you know they they might really look good or have a certain type of thing that makes them popular. But nine times out of 10, those are the least really talented artists. You know what I mean? Most of the talented artists are the ones that aren't on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, they're working on their craft. So it's like, um, that's just my perspective on it. <laughs> no, nah, like, um, a lot of people had that
1: perspective too. Um, I was, uh, talking to someone recently and he's like the, the most greatest and gifted music is crazy. Cause you'll probably never hear it. And he also said, you don't know who's watching. You can have one, two, even like 15 views on whatever platform you're on. Someone's going to get inspired by your craft. Someone's going to mm-hmm. get touched by your art um unfortunately we got about two minutes left of this broadcast uh curtis but i love to have you back on again because i'm learning so yes. much from you and it's oh, so I, much. It. I think we only got so many layers within this three oh yeah no this <laughs> is a, a
0: four-hour conversation yeah like, i'm ready to go ready to, but,
1: but yeah dang yeah. time constraints exactly um any social media, anything coming up? You want to just like just tag in just for breakfast in Vegas and yourself, and just no coming projects. You just want.
2: Yeah. It. So right now we're working on some really dope Afro Latin beats. So mm-hmm. it's Afro in Spanish and in English, and um also working on some Latin tech house right now, which yeah. is tech house has always been big, but excuse me, um, but with adding a Latin aspect to it. I think it's it's really cool. Um, so we have those two projects coming out right now, and obviously, just look for a lot of work in Colombia with uh, all these reggaeton artists, um, champeta artists, like just different stuff, um, that people have never heard before. So it's, it's a lot of talented people out here.
1: Curtis, I definitely appreciate you being a part of this program, man. Thank you, and I gotta have you on again. Uh, yes, my son- sir myself prestige with my partner in crime (laughs) city made e z blues is in the building oh do do we mention your social media no (laughs)
2: um no uh yeah can't (laughs) can't forget about that that is breakfast in vegas uh breakfast the letter n uh vegas and um that's everything twitter um, YouTube, everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I have a Curtis Austin uh, page, but everything goes to Breakfast in Vegas. That's where mm-hmm. all of that. Definitely. All right,
1: I had to mention that part behind the brand. I sell Prestige and Easy Blues on WNHWNHHLP 103.5 FM.
0: to write about Trying to figure out what it's all about Excellentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout?
1: I don't know I don't know